For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name is Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. My guest today is Nafir Al-Khakim. How are you, Nafir? You cool? I'm all right. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me here today. Good stuff. And I'm glad you could be with us. And I'm sure we're going to go through some fantastic parts of your journey. Um, Nafir, just for those that maybe aren't too familiar with who you are and what you do currently, um, would you mind just sharing a bit around what that is? Um, yes. Um, at the moment, uh, um, um, with this current situation, uh, we are off furloughs as our coaches, as you know. But uh, current, I've been working with Peter Barra as a as a YDP coach. Uh, I am uh, involved um, uh, as a board director at Cambridgeshire FA. Uh, I chair the inclusion, so I try to promote diversity and inclusion in the county. Uh, also, my other background, which is I, usually a lot of people, they don't know about that, is I am uh, um, an IT officer at King's College, University of Cambridge. Um, I'm a family man, I've got two kids, so um, and I'm proud of them. Brilliant, thank you for that. Um, no, I'm not going to waste any time, you know, you, I'm sure we're going to touch on a many you know, many parts of your journey throughout this conversation, but I just want to kind of take you right back to the start of it. Where was it that your, I guess, your, your the origins of your football coaching journey started? And, you know, what was it about coaching in particular that caught your eye and, you know, you decided for you that this was the journey I wanted to go down? I think as with many of us, most of us in, in it, at least, we have a passion for the game and that's part of the reason why we do it. Um, but for many of us, we realise we're never going to quite make it as players. What was your journey like in your in, in, in that start for you? I think uh, my my journey started quite simple. Um, I think uh, um, when I was uh, six, seven years old, uh, we lucky to have a big garden, which is uh, let's say a quarter of a pitch uh, on eleven eleven side. So you could see that I've got potential to play football in that garden. And uh, it's interesting uh, at that time. So we're talking about 36, 37 years ago, where I used to call a couple of friends in, in our neighbors and we play 2v2 all the time. Then uh, we decided to move to another house, which is another coincidence that the pitch was in front of my house door. So I couldn't resist that. And the, the size was, uh, can calibrate 5v5, 6v6. And if you want to be a little bit more, 7v7. And the in Iraq, whereas in Baghdad, the educational system was uh, you study for about six, seven months, and then you break up for three months in the summer. So I've got three months. So what I used to do is play every single day football. If I have a 90 days of football, a 90 days of holiday, 
probably 70 days of them is just purely playing football. So I have developed without any coaching at all and excellent technical skills in terms of dribbling, passing, you know, even using the wall and in the street, because they're all small, 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 tight areas. And you could apply these things. Um, and then I progressed through the school team, then the secondary team, and I become the top scorer. And I remember I took, uh, I, I, I took my uh, class team, my classmate, uh, we are about 20 people, 20 players, younger players, 13, 14, to go on trialist in a club in Baghdad, which is at that time they are um, a premium league club. And what interesting is I'm the only one being accepted. So I signed with them and I joined till I become a first team player. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, complication in Iraq, where there's a lot of sanction, war uh, at that time, and probably a little bit of family focusing on education. So they push education, football is not going to help you. But this was my passion, so I carried, I carried on with this. However, the journey finished when the war started in 2003, where I, I had to leave Iraq, um, then I moved to Dubai. Obviously, there is a couple of incidents that let me leave Iraq. Number one is because of what's happening. The second one, I've been shot by American army in my arm, actually, it's here. There's a still sign here. And, uh, and then I went to Dubai, really start losing a little bit interest. I play a futsal because I was good at small-sided games. So I play futsal and I was coping with that for two years. And then I decided to move to England. Um, I didn't really, um, I didn't really think about playing football that much. And the reason is I lost completely interest in football. Uh, for main reason, my dad was killed in bomb attack, which is killed all the passion. Um, and after that, I decided to focus on my education, which because I managed to get a master's degree in wireless communication from London. And then I got a son and he started kicking the ball. And when he becomes six, seven years old, um, I thought I'm going to try to find some way he could participate in a club or maybe school, soccer school. So I started taking him to Cambridge United Soccer School, Arsenal Soccer School. And I still remember I start observing the um, the um, um, the coaches for a year, and one night I still remember that night. One night, thought, "Hmm, I could do better than this." <laughs> I don't know why I said it. Uh, you know, I still remember how I'm, I'm what we call self-talk. And then I decided to go and ask the coach hello, how can I become a coach like you? And he said, you need to do this. So I contacted Cambridge, Cambridgeshire FA and I applied for level one. Yeah. So just on that, you know, what was it about that initial stage there where you felt, um, I can do better than this? What was it that stood out for you initially? Clearly at that point, you maybe weren't overly impressed with what was going on. Um, at that time, I thought, because I've been observing the coaching behavior for a long time, for that's what I said, one year. And I thought maybe if they, could, if they give some um, attention to my son more, I thought like they have favorism for one or two players. 
they they're not inclusion either you paid money for it it's not like an academy but i didn't feel like my son could being given the best experience they could have so i thought okay they can't do it i'm going to take that lead i'm going to educate myself myself as you know to become a coach so mm. i could help my son enjoying his football mm. and and that's the start and i think you make a good you know you make you make a great observation there in that something that really kind of stood out for me there was that the coaches kind of favoured in some ways maybe the players that were actually better than the others and it happens quite a lot so I guess you know in terms of, in terms of that it's probably it's probably good that you kind of noticed that early on that you, maybe your son probably wasn't going to get as much support as he probably could have or maybe deserved at that time um, so you know you've got you've, caught, you've contacted Cambridgeshire FA you did your level one what was that like and how, you know what, what, where did the journey go from next? Uh, the uh, it was uh, it was an interesting. I think uh, I think when I start listening to the tutor at that time, um, uh, and I think I become yeah I think I could do more and more. So when I start doing it, and I remember he came to me uh, on a, a practice design. He said, "Ah, oh, how did you know all this?" Um, because I think because the way I progressed it at that time, um, I said to him, because I played the game, I played this level. And he said, that's a good one. So I notice I've got some skills that I could contribute to coaching, which is, mm. I, you know, I could bring some of the, what we call it, engineering skills to the coaching skills, uh, to the coaching proficient. And, uh, and then basically after I finished level one, I thought, okay, would, would I want to coach? So I start contacting club. I struggled. I'm not going to lie to you. Even in under six or under under seven to find a club to to accommodate me with their coaching staff. Is However, grassroots? grassroots, yes, grassroots. And uh, at that time, I I contacted Cambridge Sheriff. I said, I really, I've got level one. I want to just have experience. I want to have a go at it. I want to try. Mm. And uh, they gave me about five, six of clubs. I start contacting these clubs and um, one of them, which is Fullborn uh, uh, FC, grassroots team, uh, they said, we have a, we have a, a place for you. And uh, I remember the coach, he used to give me 25 minutes from his coaching session, uh, which was, was a very good experience. And the reason I wanted to get involved in that is because I come from a different culture. So I decided to, okay, if I want to learn about the English culture in depth, I need to start from the grassroots team. Mm. Uh, and I start integrate myself, learning the language, in an, the phrases they use. Uh, so I become better coach in terms of communication. And uh, after that, um, Tom came to me, I think Tom, came to Tom as the, the, co the head coach. He said, would you be, would you, would you like to coach in, like a whole session. I said, yes. He said, I've got a team for you. And since then I joined another grassroots team. The manager I worked with, he was phenomenal. He opened the door for me and he let me do the coaching bit. And I was in love with it. And I could see myself, I want to do level one now. And I want to do level two. And I'm sorry, level two, level three. And I start doing that slowly, slowly. So I stayed two years and um, it was a good start for, as, as a coach. 
No, fantastic. And just to kind of paint a bigger picture, what, what, what kind of time were we in here? Is this what, uh, mid-2000s, early 2000s? In England. Uh, yeah, no, in terms of your journey, level one, what, what year were we in? Uh, no, my journey started in 2005. Okay, so you 2005, you've done your level one, yeah? Yes. Okay, right. So how, what, what was that like? Obviously moving from level one to level two, what was the kind of time frame in between that? Uh, didn't take that long. Uh, th- I think it's I think about six months. Okay, right. Yes, yeah, quite similar to me in some in some ways. You know, I found that I was hooked from the moment I did my level one, started coaching, and I, similar to you. I mean, I guess I was fortunate in some ways that I, I was able to go into a, an environment straight away and be the lead coach for the group. So I was kind of immersed in it a bit more. Um, from that level two, then. Where did the journey go from then? Because obviously, more recently, you know, you touched at the top of the conversation. You're working in academy football now. Where did you go from being a level two coach to now working in an academy and, and various different experiences between that? I think, I think what I start, I call it struggle, is I wanted to get involved in a, the, the professional game, mm. and I wanted to learn more. I wanted to um, find more. I wanted to become better and better and I think this is because of my 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 human nature as Nathan is I wanted to I, I'm always driven I want to push I want to learn I want to uh, and I'm a quick learner I learn, learn quickly so sometimes that's what we see a player and I'm going to a bit drift here when we see a player he's a little bit ahead of his age group we push him maybe more on the on the above age group and this is sometimes when I think about but there is a coaches could learn quicker than the other coaches. Why should I wait another 10 years just to become maybe level three? Mm. What did I do is I have decided took a different path. Well, I mean, by a different path, I said, okay, I don't have anything to write on my CV, just apply and level one or level two. I don't have a, I have six, seven months of coaching. So mm. what do I have to do to attract Yasa or somebody else or the academy. So I decided to invest on any available CPDs that given to me, either by going 50 miles or just round the road. I spent around for the first year around a hundred CPD. Wow. I, I go everywhere. If Yasser decided to do a CPD, I will go there because it was so it wasn't expensive. I, I was able to afford it. And that time I started applying for clubs, but I still doesn't have the coaching CV and the experience to allow me to be in the academy level. Mm-hmm. But then what did I decided to do? I start sending my CV. Then I managed to have a phone call from um, Histin, um, Histin Academy Manager which is around the corner from me. And he said, can I meet you? And he said, I would like to offer you the job, but it's a volunteer one uh, at that time. I said, yes, that's fine. And uh, I start working with him. I start enjoying because he's an experienced, um, he's an experienced uh, coach and manager. Um, uh, and after like eight months, I start applying for Norwich City Development Centers. North City Development Center, I still remember, I applied four times and they never get me. And I remember I went to a coaching conference in St. George's Park and I met the guy who, are, um, who, who ran the program. And he said, are you still looking for a job? 
I wasn't looking like for the money. I just wanted to coach in a in a under a professional level or actually under a, a under umbrella of a club. So he I said, yes. Are you level two? Yes. Then I apply. I got interview. I got the job. So I moved from Histon after seven, eight months to Norwich City in their development center. This was a bit different experience for me because the tempo is different. People pay money, uh, like uh, good money to, to, to educate their players. And so you have to really push yourself to, to, to the really good standard. What helped me also, there is a lot of coaches. So I used to be able to observe James, Alex, um, Ash, all these coaches. I used to observe it and see what they do something different so I could learn from them. Mm. That helped me slowly, slowly. So I stayed around a year and, and seven, seven months. So I guess, you know, just on that, then you talked about learning off other coaches. What in that time during the initial first stages of moving into that grassroots environment where you've had that at Histon and obviously moving now into Norwich City's uh, development centre, what were some of the biggest things you kind of picked up along that along that period of time? I think I think the the target for me, if I remember correctly, two to three targets. Number one is the practice design. I think that was very important for me. What do I have to do to improve the player? And the second thing was is uh, how I learned to build a relationship, a good relationship with the player, and also um, how to improve the player. I think those three was the priority for me. And this is something is by doing it myself and again learning from others. Mm. And then you kind of just on that, then you know, you so you've talked there about moving from almost a grassroots setting, uh, I guess, then looking at essentially almost like development. So, almost is, is am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but almost like a pre yeah. type setup. Uh, sorry, I missed that. Is it like a, almost like a pre academy type setup with Norwich? Sort of, yes, yes. Yeah. So, you moved into that setting there now. Obviously, at that point, you're still a level two coach. Where does the B license come in? And just to kind of again paint that journey a little bit clearer, what year are we in? Still 2005, 2006 sort of thing? 2005, yes. Yeah. 2006, yes. Uh, during that, because I was so passionate, I was so driven to get into level three. At that time, level three was difficult, uh, mm. really difficult to, to, to get a place. And um, I start applying and applying whenever the, 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 um, the door is open till, um, till uh, I managed to to get one of the last courses on the old format where they when you go and they assess you. <laughs> right. So what, what year was that in? Because then 2016. Yes. You've had, that's quite a length of time between the two courses. Yes. So Because you're right, 2016 was kind of when they were just phasing them out. And yeah. I actually did my UA for B in 2015, which was one of the final courses, uh, certainly in my county anyway. Um you're right, the demand for courses was obviously it's, it's quite difficult to get on them. I think it's probably a little bit easier now, maybe, I don't know. Um, but certainly it was very challenging to get on at that time. And obviously to actually get through the qualification was another another challenge in its own because, the, you know, I guess the, the pass rate wasn't that high. The, um, the, 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 uh, on, that, on that year, I was doing another two, three courses. I was doing Youth Module 1, 
youth module two, and also I've done uh, psychology level uh, three and four. Right. Okay. So you've been keeping yourself busy, and so I guess you know, going through all of these all these courses. You know, you started the journey in two thousand and five, level one, done your level two. Um, I don't know. So you've obviously waited a bit of time to go and do the youth modules, but where, where's the end goal? What, what, what was the, I guess the, and you might still be working towards, but what was the target? Was it just to get qualified or? I never do things just to get qualified. Yeah. Well, I'm um, asking this because the amount of I, I've come across that have actually gone and done qualifications, um, but they wouldn't necessarily consider themselves career coaches. So the question I always have to them is, well, why have you gone and done the qualification? Why do you so badly want the UEFA B? Why do you so badly want the UEFA A if, if you've got no intention of working in the pro game? And that's not to say that the information that you're going to learn on those courses isn't going to be valuable and important. But I also don't believe you need to go on those courses to learn that information or to understand and develop that knowledge. So what was that for you? Yes, I'm going to give you an example, which is, sounds funny when I was 10 years old and I wish I still have that draw in my hand now I draw that I'm going to play for Iraq for Iraqi national team one day and I'm going to win the World Cup and I draw that so I draw my dreams and the other dreams I which is not didn't happen because of with the current you know the situation happened these in the old days then the other draw when I came to England, I came straight away to Cambridge. Mm. I want to either study at Cambridge University or work for them. So as a person, I like to achieve and I want to leave a legacy for, for my family and for the people. I want to be a good role model to others. And what did I do is I, if I'm talking about my, my IT background, I applied about 15 times for Cambridge University. Never got it. But I got an interview. I get the interview. Don't take me wrong. I get most of an interview. I don't get the job or I don't get the course. But I never gave up. I, keep, I kept knocking the door till I managed to get to work in the most prestigious institute in the world, not just in the UK, in the world. And I'm proud of that. So I achieved this sort of things. In football at that time, I wanted to show something to other people from a different background that we could achieve something. I didn't know at that time, what do you mean like achieve something? But I, th I think more I progressed, more I learned, more I connect with other people, I thought the dream become bigger and bigger and bigger. And like anybody else, uh, maybe um, coaching Iraqi national team one day, or maybe become the first Asian manager in Premium League or Championship. Mm. And this is the question, why not? No, and I, I, can, I can really resonate with that because, like, you know, growing up, you know, when I first got into football myself and coaching more specifically, that was one of my goals, you know, become the first Asian coach in the Premier League. And, you know, um, my journey's kind of taken me all over the place now. And, you know, that whilst it probably remains an ambition of mine to work at the highest level, um, again, my journey has, has impacted my, my ambitions and my goals in different ways. So I guess, you know, I'm just kind of interested to know now then, 
you've now gone and done that UEFA B 2016. What was that experience like? And how did you find that, I guess, alongside doing the youth youth modules? Because obviously when the youth modules first came in, um, there was almost one pathway for those, one pathway for, for the, for, I guess, the core qualification, which is your level one, your level two, your FB and your FA, which is obviously your traditional sort of pathway. But the messages would often be argued and considered to be contradictory. And, and, and that, and this actually, nearly failed me on my level two because yeah. I was doing youth module two in parallel with level two. Right. So when I went to deliver the uh, um, um, the test to pass or fail, sure. I did a warm up with the football, <laughs> which is youth module, youth module two stating this. Yeah. The two the tutor nearly failed me because he said I don't want to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said to him, but there is, this is what they teach us here, and this is what they teach us here. So. Uh, in my experience as a coach and how I see it as a player, I prefer it with the football. Yeah. And he said, you could, you could do, you could, you couldn't do that. Anyway, I passed, he passed me. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it was interesting. Uh, the UFB was challenging for me because it's, um, it's something different. It's uh, more 9v9, 11v11. It's how you structure the session, how you coach. And the things is, was the intense course that required you to stay focused mentally while you have to participate in the session physically. So it was a bit like balancing between mental and physical mm. to grab the, all these information. Um, uh, it was a challenge, but I think I over these I've overcome these challenging by time. And uh, I think end of 2016, where I finished my B license. Okay, brilliant. Congratulations. Because obviously at that time, the success rate wasn't that great. The pass rate wasn't that great. And obviously since then, obviously the course has been revamped, restructured, and it's now moved into a completely different way of delivery. I guess, you know, on that then, going through those experiences, having started your journey, you know, without 11 years in now to your journey at that point, moving into the UA for B, finishing UA for B, what, what would you say some of the key fundamentals were for your, maybe your, your own coaching philosophy at that stage? I didn't, I didn't call it at that time. They did not having that much influence about the world of coaching philosophy. I think it's in the last five, six years, seven years, it's just about, start rule out this world coaching philosophy to to people not like now not not like what we're doing in in, in the a license for example mm. but uh, uh the 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 start actually for me start building and uh, a knowledge that helped me slowly slowly to build something let's call it in my brain so i don't have it written at that time but it just built something ah I want football to play this way, mm. in my opinion. This is the one, I, the way I wanted it to, to, to be like this. And, and I think it's the key things still carry on is keep learning. Never, the learning is never stopped for me. 
Yeah. Never. I didn't. The momentum of keep learning it never stopped. By the way, till by the way, till this moment. Yeah. I think you know you talk you talked about that, that moment to keep learning. Obviously, now since since completing that, you, know, you 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 touched on it there very briefly about the UEFA A. And you you are a UEFA A licensed coach now, are you not? No, I'm I'm doing it. Not only doing the qualification. Yeah. Um, but if correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a level four coach having completed the advanced youth award. Uh, I complete the advanced youth award as a course, as a case study. I'm just waiting for the last visit because of the pandemic is stopped at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, again, it's, you know, the pandemic has kind of put a hold on everyone in every capacity. So yes. having gone through the old format of the level one, level two UEFA B, and now moving over to the new format now of the, I guess, the UEFA A and um, I guess the, the advanced youth award as it is, what would you say are some of the things that you've benefited and one of the biggest differences for you? Because for me, I consider myself quite fortunate in the sense that I had similar to you. I did my level one, did my level two, did my UEFA B kind of old style. Yeah. Um, and then my, you know, the UEFA A license, I was on one of the first courses that kind of, I think it might have been the first course um, of the new kind of format. Um, so there was a bit, there was a, you know, there a few teething problems, I guess, but there was also a lot of the stuff that was given to us before was still being given to us. And also, we was also allowed to have a lot of autonomy and ownership around the way we wanted to work and how we deliver. Um, and obviously accompanied that with my experiences on the advanced youth orders itself. So what was that journey like for you? How, how have you found that? And what would you say are some of the biggest, uh, or if you like pros and cons for you in that, in that, in that process? I think the, the new format is more clearer there's more details under 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 each call it topic subject yeah. um sometimes you know when i look at it because of the more details we get into depth and more and more and more do i think sometimes do this necessarily do I need to know this as a player? Do I need to know all the information as a player, for example? Do I need to pass it all? I, 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 I don't know. But sometimes I remember a friend say, less is more. Mm. And I believe on that sometimes. Do we need to complicate football to the player to, 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 to let them do what, what we want them to do? Yeah. And But in terms of the course, I think... I think the quality of the tutor is different, I, I, in my opinion. I think the, the new generation of tutor is more open, more... Uh, Do you think that's the, the quality of the tutor or because the pathway has dictated that it needs to be that way? So why I say that? Because I feel like, in my experience, that maybe some of the tutors previously were probably more knowledgeable... Um, I think what you see now, um, and it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this, is the pathway has, uh, uh, the way it's been reshaped, there's a lot more emphasis on it being a holistic approach, which yeah. I think is fantastic. But I feel like what's happened in the process of that is it's almost, uh, I guess, glossed over the fact that actually football is still a technical and tactical game. Yeah. And a lot of the coaches, in my opinion, that are going through the pathway now, are not as knowledgeable in the technical and tactical elements of the game. So it's all great having fantastic knowledge in the physical corner, in the social corner, in the psychological corner. Amazing, brilliant. 
but none of that means anything. If you how don't... to play the game is different. How to play the game is is completely different. And this is sometimes in I don't think I don't see that much tactical uh, unless you got a really an experienced tutor that who could show you or challenge your thought, which is as you said the holistic approach that think outside the box, see what the other team does, see what they do, how they solve this problem and what they do, the things in, in the pitch and during the games. How do they prepare it before they go to the games? Because I always say each team mm. have a pattern of play and, and habit. They will not change them unless the personnel will change or the manager will change. Mm. So what we could, and this is something about engineering, the product, productability is high. We know what they're going to do most of the time but i i think it's a bit you mentioned about in peril that the the quality of tutor is improved because of the program is improved also and that the the tutor has to improve to deliver that quality program yeah yeah no i i get that and i fully fully understand what you mean by it and my, my only, my only, I guess, concern with the pathway where, where it is now, and this is why, to be honest, for me personally, it hasn't really impacted on me personally because I feel, like I said, I'm quite fortunate to have it. I had some of that, yeah. that old style delivery, which I feel like I, I took a lot away from. Um, but obviously been able to couple that with my experience and now the new way of delivering where we're actually able to kind of be a bit more expressive about the way we want to work and why we want to work in those ways. Um, and I guess really challenge ourselves and become more curious as to why we're working a particular way so we know we have to come up with a rationale and justification for what we're doing um in order to de- i guess demonstrate our competencies essentially uh, i feel where a lot of coaches previously probably was coming onto the courses to get some of that technical tactical knowledge and to get some of that understanding um you know i, I can you know I can, I can sit here and be critical of the process i think one thing that's definitely clear to see that we're going to get from the current pathway and the way it's set up is that we're going to help hopefully develop more specialist coaches across different areas of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whether that, you know, and you know, that's not even less, never mind the fact that we've got something like the advanced youth or where it is a bit more age specific. I think just generally you're going to become more specialist coaches because of the work you're going to do in the different areas, whether you're working on a license, B license, whatever it is, because the work that you do is going to be specific to the group that you're working with. So naturally you're going to have to become more, uh, competent and I guess in depth with the work you're doing for those group of players if that makes sense but I think where where it does leave a gap is that technical tactical stuff and I think the coaches that are maybe I think there's a lot of coaching now certainly from my experiences as a coach and obviously more recently as a tutor um, there's a it seems to be in my opinion a, a lack of appreciation for the technical and tactical side of things certainly more more so from the learner's perspectives they, yeah. don't, they don't maybe appreciate how important that part is. So maybe they don't place enough emphasis on it for me. Uh, I don't know. It's just an opinion, but it's just an observation for me. I think, I think what I noticed between the old format and the new format that helped the learner also develop their other skills. So for example, the present presentation skills, mm-hmm. how to deal with technology. Um, I mean, I've been talking to coaches all the time. Some of them, they have, they don't have these presentation of skills they don't have these communication skills mm. um so i think the new format brought up a lot of emphasis on if you are a modern coach you, you're not just 
a coach on the grass. You need to have other skills to 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 feed up to the coaching process, and um, and um, using uh, analysis software, uh, using presentation uh, uh, software. So that you like that actually help. For example, if you want to pass an information to a player, you could. If you don't have a, a good presentation of skills, you can't simplify the message to the player and make it easy for him to understand what's happening or what's going on or how you want him to improve. That's something I think it's a big bonus if you have all these elements or these skills to feed up to your coaching journey. I think you make a great point. Obviously, developing your external skills around the actual technical element is obviously a key part of that process. And I guess, you know, to kind of, move things on a little bit i'm curious to know back on your own personal journey then you know one of the things you touched on at, at the top of the conversation was uh, one of your roles that you do i guess at this moment in time is uh you chair on the inclusion board with it is it cambridge fa cambridge fa yes now without going into the role itself i'm, I'm more I'm more interested to know about your own experiences now obviously you are a coach of asian descent know underrepresented group in, within the within the football football industry mm-hmm. more specifically within the coaching space what has that been like for you and what are some of the challenges that poses for you because you know i've got my own experiences i've got you know i've got my own journey that I, you know i think about um but how have you found that and you know have you found that there is a, a genuine intent or deliberate deliberate act of racism uh you feel like you know that that, that there, racist holds you back and what are your thoughts on that uh no i mean to when i joined to become part of inclusion uh you know i just wanted to help because i think it's it's knowing yourself aware of yourself awareing who you are i think this is important as a human being before even a coach and if i revert back to who I am when I was in, in, in Baghdad and what I was doing when I was young. Um, I thought I lost that. I lost that. I lost these things because of transition from different culture to another culture. There's a language barrier. There is a culture barrier. There is a um, finding a job, building a family. Uh, while you're, when, when, when I was in Baghdad, I used to have everything. Mm. I, I, my mom is a doctor. My my dad was a, was a um, working the government. So I, I used to have a good life, uh, but everything been taken from you. So you had to like building yourself again. So when I start doing the coaching journey, and I start picking up things that I wasn't aware of at all, and uh, without going into details, what is it? But I thought, okay. I want to go to this role to make an impact and change things. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to just tick the box. I didn't know what is it, but I want just the intention was to help because I like, that's me. I'm a people person. I love helping people whenever I can. So I thought, okay, they have advertised them for the role. It was a volunteer role. I spoken with them. I sent the CV. I got myself um, as a as a member, and we had a meeting. 
So I shared at that meeting my thought. It wasn't easy to, to come with ideas uh, because when I entered the first meeting with 26 people, I was a bit surprised because I thought I'm the only one different here. And then I had to adapt a bit of strategy that I could, okay, I'll, at the end of the day, these guys, I need them to help me and I, I'm here to help them to achieve the outcome. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Of helping other people. So it took time to be where, where we are now with Cambridge RFA, for example. But I think the greater project that we worked together as, as, as a Cambridgeshire FA, the staff, the board, the council member, is to implement, a call it a plan, mm. which is uh, end up with in 2019, November, to create the first ever project uh, for um, people from underrepresented background mm. in collaboration and partnership with Cambridge, uh, Cambridge Mosque. And we managed to get, uh, uh, I think, 11 or 12 candidates on the course. And they are all now level one. And the beauty about this, I was able, because, because of my connection and network, I tried to help these coaches finding club for them. So because I was able to do that, I was so happy. These guys, they don't have to give up quickly. Hang on, this is yours, this is yours. And I think if, I, if I'm not wrong, I managed to help five coaches to settle on a club in a grassroots teams. Hmm. No, I think that's fantastic, you know, in terms of, in terms of, I guess, building that platform for coaches from the underrepresented groups to kind of get involved in coaching more specifically. But, you know, I, I guess I'm really curious to know about what your journey has been like as a coach Obviously, you talked there about your role on the inclusion board, but what are some of the challenges that you face in terms of getting into the environments that you've, you know, um, tried to get into and that you've been successful in now getting into? I mean, it was it was it you touched on earlier. Sometimes you've had interviews, maybe not quite got the job. Um, at any point in that process, did you feel like there was a fair process? Did you feel like you know there's a, there was uh, in place or if you. I'm not going to mention clubs. I'm not going to mention names of clubs, but I think the journey from start applying for uh, academies wasn't an easy uh, because you go there, um, you see um, things, uh, you see like, for example, you're the only one different. They don't try to understand your background as a coach, as a human being. Uh, because might be you do something and you think I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. So no, I'm not like you. I'm, I'm, I'm a completely different. I come from a different background. 
And if that's something allowed to, you know, you're allowed to do this, I'm not allowed to do this. It's against my beliefs and values. And, and it took, it took a time because um, it's affected me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. It affected me because thought, what's going on here? Why? I'm, I'm not a bad guy. You know, I'm, I'm a, just a human being trying to be a coach. I, even like I'm not there for the money. I, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not applying for a role to get money. I've already got a job. I've got, uh, you know, um, but yes, there was a barrier. There was a blocker. Um, but I think, uh, and then this is something uh, interesting. I think soon I joined Peter Barra. I thought I'm in a different world. I think Peterborough environment is made me relax as a coach. That was a nervous because I thought I was, I remember an incident before I joined Peterborough in a club without mentioning the name is I came to the training session and I'm wearing a short socks. <laughs> um, it was a bit summer at that time. And I still remember the guy, he came and say, uh, I'll find you for wearing a short, short socks, 10 pounds, I'll take it from your wages. And I was looking at him, why? And what interesting, and I turned around, and there's about five coaches wearing sh uh, shorter than my socks. So I thought, is that deliberate? And I went and see him after I finished my training session, because I was focused on my training session. And I said to him, it's fine if you want to take pound, 10 pounds from me, I don't mind, but can I ask you, can you see the other coaches? And he looked at them all and he said, ah, oh, um, yeah, okay, ne from next week, everybody should wear long socks. <laughs> and that little things, why? You know, why me? Is that because I'm different? Because he think I can't answer back or I can't challenge him? I, I think that's one of the ex small examples that um, I picked up. Other example I don't mind to share it is, uh, I'm talking to you, guy, without mentioning colours, talking to you, and the conversation starts about football. As soon another gentleman comes in, same colour, same background, the conversation transferred to the other way side, and I've been, you know, not included, is, is unconsciously happening. I don't think, I don't think it's intentionally, it's unconscious, but these little things start affect me a little bit but I thought okay I know who I am I've got a, a target and I've got a goal and I want to achieve it so focus on the steps to achieve that goal and I think as soon I joined Peter Barrow I was a bit little bit nervous for a few months um, because I was learning about a new culture of a club uh, of coaches but as soon I noticed the culture was all about togetherness, that we could talk to each other, that we could share ideas, we could, it's not about criticism, it's about, okay, um, uh, how we could do things better. I think that relaxed me as a coach and I start enjoying my journey as a coach with them. And that's, that's why I like the club. That's why I'm still in the club. No, I think that's fantastic. I kind of just on the, you know, there's a, there's a few different things there that you talk about potential challenges. What would you say is one of the, you know, would you say that's probably been your biggest challenge in your coaching journey is dealing with that potential discrimination because of your, of, of your background? 
Uh, I don't. It just become different because I'm I'm different. It's the biggest challenge, because what happened is I don't have the uh, the heritage difference, but I have also I come from an engineering background that I see things differently. I'm not just a coach. I'm an engineer, and that's something they don't see it because they don't see that I have a multiple skills that like a normal coach, even they work in a premium league club, for example, they don't have these skills. But I have these skills could contribute to coaching and improve the logic thing, the systematic things, the creativity, think outside the box. They don't have these things because what happened, most of the educational program, not just in coaching, they actually try to help the people to educate them most of the time as a copy 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 there is no thinking outside you're not allowed to ask a question you're not allowed to challenge and i can't do that because i've got a different background i can i can question things i can challenge things and uh, yes and that's one of them now i'm just going to pause for two seconds Okay. <laughs> right, Natty, you obviously talked there about some of your challenges, and I'm curious now. Obviously, you've been coaching for a number of years now, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it coming up to maybe 16 years? Is it? No. Uh, More than that. Seven years. You started in 2005, no, no? 2015. Oh, so apologies. I thought you said 2005. So you no, started. I think, did I say no? I think 2015. So 2005, 2006, you did your level one, no? No, 2015, I got my level one January. Right, okay. Okay, apologies. So I've got, I've got that wrong. Obviously, it's 2015. So seven years into your coaching journey. Now, you know, to kind of progress at, at that rate, uh, where you're now doing your A license in the advanced youth, well, that's quite a quick turnaround. Um, yes. Do you think that's held you back at times? Because I know certainly from, from my own experiences, you know, I've had kind of a similar journey. Um, started my level, I started coaching in two thousand around two thousand and ten, I think it was. So I'm probably in my eleventh year now. Um, but I also had a, a period in between that after you know about two and a half years, and I had I took about two years out of coaching. So I've probably only really been coaching for about eight years. Um, but you know I've finished my A license and, and my advanced youth award. I've got a bunch of different qualifications in terms of I've got my goalkeeping uh, B license as well. Um, and I've had a few different experiences myself, and you know some of the some of the challenges, obviously, is, in terms of that, is people maybe kind of make an argument and say, well, you haven't necessarily got the depth of experience. Yes, you've got the qualification, but your experience you might still be lacking. What what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you ever do you feel like that's a bit that's held you back at all in any way? Yeah, um, it's a, it's not a not a it's a valid point, and uh, I probably I get sometimes same same expression seven years in your coaching okay that's not long but i i completely disagree i think we mentioned on on why we put a, a player who is a, a early developer or he's a exceptionally better than his age group in a a different higher a, an older age group because we saw the potential that he could comes in because he could learn quickly. He could some some of the player develop physically, mentally, that sometimes we push them to age group. So yeah. so if we're talking about coaching and now it's fine. Now I'm going to talk about education. When you do your degree, 
you study four years or maybe three years to get a bachelor degree, you apply for a master, the university, it's bigger than the coaching as a profession, the university offer you to do a master degree, within four years you get a master degree. And if you decided to go for a PhD, within eight years, you could achieve a PhD degree, you will become a doctor in any profession you want. So, and actually, when you get what you might in this journey of eight years doing a PhD, you might not have maybe the much experience in teaching and even hands-on on the the things you do as a doctor for example or as an engineer but mm. you still have some some qualities allow you to achieve this mm. it's the same if we could replicate in coaching why should i wait 12 years or 15 years to be an a lesson no that's a question by the way yeah, no 100 i think for me <laughs> I, I agree with you. I don't think you should have to wait if you if you if you're ready. I mean, I, I you know, just kind of paint a picture. So I did my level one within the first twelve months of me coaching. I did my level one. I did my module one of the youth ward, module two of the youth ward. I did my level two uh, outfield and level two goalkeeping qualification all inside the first twelve months. And then, you know, uh, from me finishing my B license in two thousand and sixteen, there was probably only about a six month turnaround from finishing the B license to me now starting my A license because. What you've just said there is key, you know, on my action plan for my B license, it said for my tutor, well, go away and do 50 hours at this level and then think about applying for your A license. Do, now, do, do, you, do you mind if I mention something? This is on. which is interesting. What's that 50 hours will do to me? Well, this is it. I think I thought that's what I was about to go on to talk about is that those 50 hours, if the tutor actually took the time to understand my context and my experience and what I was doing at that time, he would have realized that actually those 50 hours based on what I was doing would have only taken me three weeks. Yeah. Because I was working about 15 to 20 hours a week coaching at that point. Um, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, since that kind of time has, that time came, I've always kind of been working in a coaching capacity. Um, and like I said, within three weeks, I'd already done the 50 hours that he probably set aside for me to kind of do. So I was in a position to, one, get a job in an academy at that point. Um, I managed to start in an academy with, before I completed my B licence. And I'm you know, thankful for that opportunity. And as time's gone on, I've now gone on and done my goalkeeping B licence, done my um, goal, my outfield A licence, done the advanced youth forward, and I'm currently doing my master's now for different reasons. But it, it, for me, I've always been one where, okay, I'm, I'm doing my level two, but I want to know what B licence looks like. Yeah. I yeah. want to know what I'm working for. Curiosity, curiosity about learning. Because 100%, because I, I knew where my end goal was and what I wanted to achieve. And I knew that these were some of the things I was going to have to do along the way. So it's good for me to kind of have an idea of where does that take me next? So I can do my level two, I can kind of work at this level, or I'll get my level two, think about what the B license looks like and start preparing for that and start implementing some of that. So I would probably take time to maybe go and observe some B license courses, go and observe some A license stuff. And just so I can kind of build a picture of what that is and start trying to implement that stuff and work on that stuff before I go and do the qualification, if that makes sense. What, one, one things, one things is, is um, which is I, I get like when they say you need to do a year or two years of coaching, but actually- I, I, I don't, I don't get it. it. I, I, I exactly I don't get it also because I could do the two years of coaching but I could do the same mistake every single session there's, there's that part and and, and if, if I don't go on. if I if I don't have um, 
a ground that somebody could come and help me um, uh, or maybe give me some feedback uh, or critical analysis about my coaching, mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't develop as a coach. I could replicate. I could do every single week the same mistake with the same players. And probably at the end of those two years of, okay, I've finished my two years off. Can I get the A license? Can I do the A license? Can I be the A license? Uh, the B, do be the B license. And it, it, it doesn't work like that for me. I think it's, it's a combination of doing this, go on the grass, go and observe other coaches, read books, listen to people, other people, make sure you get somebody who's more experienced than you that could help you. Um, and also is attend webinars, uh, re, you know, um, try to develop other skills that you need as a coach to implement new things. And I think this is important. All these I mentioned now, you're not going to write it into your, into your, um, coaching you need when you go into that pitch to make a real impact for the beneficial of the for the players mm. that's so that's that's for me i'm when i go to the pitch i want to make sure i'm going to create a positive creative a learning environment for them when i step in i want to make sure i deliver that that's that's the journey that's by the way this journey it will not be delivered in the courses only no, Even if you've gone, yeah. I think there's some key parts that you mentioned there. And I think what, what what's coming back to the top of that question, you know, should there be a time frame in between? I don't think there should because for me, it's about do you understand what's what's needed at this stage? If you understand that, then you can surely start working on it to try and implement it. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be excellent at it. So, you know, when I finished my level two, which I almost failed, to be honest, because there was a bit of a technicality there, I think when I did my level two, it was you had to work with, I think it was 4v4, but you could only coach one team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I had one one particular situation where I had 4v4, but there was two kind of floaters on the... On, so whoever was, whichever team was in possession, it was a 6v4. And in that moment, I happened to stop it with one, when one of the floaters had the ball. Um, and I coached them. And the shoot was like, well, you can't do that. I was like, well, yeah, I can. They're on my team. And he goes, yeah, but it's a 4v4. They're, they're just floaters. Yeah, but... They're on my team at this point in time. So, you know, that we had back and forth about that. And back then it was one tutor would deliver the course and another tutor would come and assess you. So the tutor who delivered the course said, no, that's fine. But then obviously this guy had a different view. But so, but what, what, what straight away from the, from the beginning, what kind of really helped me do was start to understand, okay, they want it done in a particular way. What does that way look like? So back then it was, okay, they wanted the level, you know, I did pass on that level two, thankfully. And then straight away I was thinking, okay, so what do they want the level three to look like? What do they want the B license? To yeah. Like? So for me, it was like, let me go and see it. Let me go and try and get on the course. Even if I don't feel like I'm quite ready, I'm just going to get on it and throw myself in it, immerse myself in it and the rest will come. Um, now, again, thankfully I passed that first time around as well success rate was ridiculous i think it was, i think like i was speaking to someone earlier about this and i said there's 48 people on the course i think only 13 of us passed um it was crazy and it, yeah. you know, so and, and that was quite common um the success the pass rate wasn't that great and it, it then made me start to think well well it's great that i've passed but what does that say about the tutors on the course yes 
what does that say about that? You, you've, you've actually got 48 people on this course, but you've only passed 13 across all four groups of 12. And, and I, I really get that point. Yeah. Or is that a problem with the tutors? Surely it, 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 it can't be all on the tutors, but it can't all be all on the learners as well. So the tutors have to take some responsibility and say, well, what have we done here that's not quite right that haven't helped this group here get to at least a standard where they can just pass the qualification? And not they don't have to pass with flying colours, if you like, or pass with a tick in every single box. But how have that many people not passed this qualification? What does that say about the delivery of the course? So it then made me start to think, okay, well, I want to know what does this process look like? What do they want to see? Why do they want to see it this way? And it started making me more curious. And like I said, for me, it was always right. Okay, I've got my level two. Let me go and look at the B. I've got my B. Now let me go and look at what the A, what a requires and just really start to kind of do it from that perspective. And I guess put myself in a position where I have to kind of, I have to be pulled up towards what the standard is. Yeah. Rather than just gravitating around, okay, I'm a B license coach. Let me do this for three years. And then now I'm going to go do my A. So I've been quite fortunate in some ways because I've been around coaches that have really helped me along the way. And I've been able to pick up a lot of this stuff off because of they've gone through the course already or they've had an understanding of this bit. And so I've had people to kind of reach out. So I guess from that perspective, I think, you know, but the one question I do always go back to for coaches is why do you want that B license? Why do you want the A license? And this is coming back to the topic that we were just talking about a second ago, about the, the, the underrepresented groups and, and you know, they had the bursaries and things like that, um, which I don't think is the answer to solve some of the challenges the coaches like myself and you, you, you face, because all it's really doing is creating more coaches that are still not going to get through the door. Yeah. Now I get the idea. You want to have more numbers and whatnot, but what happens is also, also with the bursary is, is viewed so negatively with, with a lot of people. Yes. Uh, I agree with that. Actually, it can actually be a disadvantage, but as much as you've got a bursary, you still have to get through the qualification, miss the bit where a lot of people miss and, and look past. So I think for me, bursaries, I, I'm a bit, I understand if someone offered you a bursary, go and take it. I understand why you would, but that's not the answer. And if you're relying on the bursary to help you get through this journey and to get you an opportunity in this journey, then maybe you don't want this journey bad enough, in my opinion. But away from the bursary, what do you think can be done for, the, uh, you know, for people like, like yourself and like myself in, 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 that, in that pathway? I think there is, in recent years, I think there's a lot of things uh, being done. I think um, um, at the moment, I think the inclusion and diversity placement uh, in some of the premium league, they start opening the doors, which is basically allowing coaches to come in and join the staff for two years. Uh, I mean, are you, are you, have you applied for those? Uh, I applied, yes, yes. Okay. No. Uh, I've got, um, I've got, um, I think one of, they invite us for a, a webinars to talk to us. Uh, I think the feedback was, I'm just a little bit far away from them, which is fair enough, you know, it's a fair point. Um, but there is... Are you talking about the, the ones that came out just before Christmas? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So there was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the nine clubs participated in that. Yes, yes. I thought this is, I thought, if I want to, if I want to decide to move on, mm. I might go to an experience just to gain more experience in a premium league club. Um, yeah. 
that's quite interesting because you're actually in a club at the moment. Yes. You're being paid. Yes. To, to do that job. Yes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that placement that you're talking about there, that is a voluntary placement. Yes. Yes. Now, what does that say about the lack of opportunities? If you're willing to have to leave a job yeah. that you probably found quite challenging to get in the first place, to then go to an opportunity to work for free. I think I think the 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 the, the, is, the idea is for me when I applied for it is for the placement, which is it's a free job basically. I think I just wanted to get involved more and to see what mm. other clubs in a Premier League uh, does. So. Uh, do they do something different than maybe category one or category, sorry, category two or category three academy? Mm. Do the coaching's uh, ways is, is different? How they structure the syllabus, how they maybe help the player to develop better. So I was interested in all this uh, to have an experience on it. Um, still for me is because I've got my daily job, which is, um, is a good paid job. Mm. Uh, wasn't for me the money is the main issue. No, but surely th 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 that's a problem though. Surely because you you've not you're now saying to yourself, actually, I've got a job in an academy over here, um, and I'm doing all right. But yeah, I, I am. Yes, position now to go and try and get a free opportunity elsewhere because the reality is, uh, and this is I, I guess what what I'm really trying to figure out from your perspective is if that opportunity and there isn't a scheme or an initiative there, do you get an opportunity to even play? Uh, um, if it's like, an, if they have an advert, if they advertise previously, they advertise for a role. Mm. I think previously, not now, I think it's a bit changing a little bit now for a better, uh, I have a no chance. But the reality now is off the back of your thing, things are changing for the better, but what's changing? Because at, no given point can the, the Premier League uh, or the EPL uh, or the, the EFL or whoever that is, no one can mandate these clubs to actually hire people that look like you. I think I think there is a honest conversation going behind the the doors. Mm. I think it's I think the FA um, with the diversity manager uh, doing a great job in time trying to help coaches from underrepresentation background to integrate into different clubs. Uh, mm. I think the initiative is started more become effective, more become like real. Yeah, it's real. I'm interested because one of the, one of my views with the it's not it's not this is not directed towards any particular organisation, whether the DFA, the Premier League, or whoever. But one of the things I, I've I've been quite uh, sceptical about with with initiatives like this is. Once the coach has finished the time period or whatever it is that you want to call it, the contractual term or whatever, what are they doing now? That's that's the question need to be asked. So, but but but, that's, but, but surely then that that's that's so, an issue because basically what you're saying is so that I mean, the, the new initiative, well. yeah, the new the, the placement is one year. Uh, and the new uh, there is a new initiative which is about two years, uh, with paid paid like a paid role. Mm. Um, it's it's I I think the the idea is, you we will get you in inside the doors. You will learn from us. We will help you to develop. 
and if we think that you're good enough, we'll keep you. Okay. Um, obviously, we can't say, are you, where is it, how are they going to monitor it? How are they going to control it? I have no idea. I know from experience in, in seeing different clubs in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of transparency and trans, in terms of getting people, the right people to the right uh, positions um, is, is in the past wasn't great. Mm. wasn't great but now i think there is more investment into for example their hr system there is transparency in that when you apply they don't look at the they don't look at your picture oh no he's not good enough yeah. well okay but how about the rest it will take time and i know for a fact from experience in different environments, because I worked in different environments. I worked in three countries, and I've, I, I worked in in IT uh, industry, and I worked in football. Change, people doesn't like changes. Mm. People doesn't like to uh, change things in they used to be. So if you are sitting in your comfortable chair for ten years. And somebody comes and says, oh, I've got this idea, I've got this idea. I've got... They, will, they will try to push you away from, from them. Uh, from the... I get that because they, 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 people like, like being in comfortable positions. They, you know, they, don't, they don't like change. I get that. I get that element of it. I guess, you know, from that perspective then, you know, what do you think? It's interesting because, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with loads of people and I think to myself, there's loads of coaches out there that are definitely good enough to be in the system um yeah but you definitely. see programs like programs like what you've just talked about the the, the you know that initiative uh, that free opportunity there and you talked there you put, did you have an interview for that did you for for that that initiative that you talked about there uh, uh, no they, they said they just got feedback i'm, I'm you know they, what was the feedback out of curiosity uh they said the distance only just a distance yes now, you see that even that's <laughs> That's a bit concerning as well. For me personally, I'm thinking, well, if someone's applied for it, they know the distance. Yes, I know, but um, but you know, that's a separate discussion. I guess I'm not the one. I'm the recruiting. But what I would say on that, you know, is it, the fact that you have you feel like you have to wait for opportunities like that to actually get a genuine genuine chance is an issue. So I guess from your perspective, what do you think should or could be done to kind of eradicate such challenges? Difficult to answer. It's really difficult, you know, to answer this. Um, it just basically we. I think number one is educating people. Mm. I think that's, in my opinion, educating people. These people who are from a different background, different color, different religion, uh, different thinking. It's not enemy. It's not. It's just the people. They want to find a way. They love. They have a love for the game, and just want to progress like anybody else. I think that's a key. Education is a key. Number one. I think number two is implement uh, and Im implement uh, an effective uh, uh, employment structure that help people to apply without fear. Oh, okay, I'm going to apply, but I know I'm not going to get it. And no one, no one will get back to me. Um, and it will take time. 
I'm telling you now, it's that will take time. It's not gonna fit. It's not. We're not gonna solve this issue next year or next or two years, and or maybe five years. It will take time. Mm. And I still remember. And I'm, I'm, you know, I still remember when. Uh, don't take me wrong. There is some good club, and I'm, 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 and I'm, I'm very proud to say I work for Peterborough United because I don't feel they employ me because I am from underrepresentation background. No, they employ me because they thought I'm a good coach. Yeah. And this is the, and I'm not going to lie. I, I went one day and I said, during a conversation with somebody who are, was involved in a, in a, in a uh, interview process. And I said, did you employ me? Because I just want to make sure that I'm not employed because, because they have to. Will, but will anyone ever give you the honest answer to that question? No, he, he, he did answer me, honestly. He said, no, we employed you because you th we think you're a good coach. And I know for a fact, because I, I, this is my second year with him, I know he will tell you the truth. Mm. He will not hide. You know, he, you know, you could find out with somebody within a month or two, like they start lying. No. I've been working with him for nearly two years now mm. and I could tell he told and I could tell a hundred percent he told me the truth and I'm and I obviously I, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that that he they did not employ me because I am from underrepresentation background and it's definitely a hot topic and I think it's one that like you said it was not going to be solved overnight and it's not going to be solved in the next maybe no. year or two but I think there is some fantastic initiatives being put in place um and hopefully they're going to start to make a shift in the culture of, of the, I guess, the coaching world. Um, more specifically, shifting the attitudes and behaviours of those, I guess, are decision makers within it. I guess, you know, to kind of build on that then, you know, as we, as we start to look to kind of wind down now, what would you say, you know, if I took you back to maybe the start of your coaching journey? So we're looking back at 2015 now. Yes. Um when you first got into coaching and knowing what you know now about the industry and all the, all the different experiences you have had, what is one message that you might want to give yourself then? Keep going. Keep, you know, I think during this interview, we said, I'm a, I, I'm a guy who always driven to improve, always driven to go forward. And if I said to you this, you will probably not believe me. Uh, when I start my coaching journey, I still remember the old FA uh, page about the Advanced Youth Award. I looked at that page. I said, within five years, I will doing the Advanced Youth Award or a license. Mm -hmm. And I am. Well, just out of curiosity, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you might have even been on the same course. Did you, do your, did you start yours in 2017, 2016, was it? 2016, my D license, yeah. And then you did the Advanced Youth Award in what year? 2018. Okay, all right, fine. You might have, I think you've done it a year after me then. Um, but no, that, that, what are your thoughts on that course? I think it's a brilliant course. Yeah? I think it's a brilliant course. The, the way they structure it, the, they, the people they comes and deliver the, the, the topic, uh, I think they, they're all brilliant. Uh, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was a eye opener. And also the good things is um, I made a good friend on that course uh, and, and build the network. 
Mm. Um, and so whenever they see you, they say hello, they start talking to you, which is a great thing when you go and play them in their clubs, which is a really, really, uh, it was a great experience. Fantastic. And as, you, just, as again, as we start to kind of look towards wrapping things up now, you know, you've had those experiences, you're still, you know, quite experienced in a short space of time, you've managed to get some, you know, some to a decent level in terms of your qualifications and in a range of experiences working in academy football as well. What would you say now is next for you in your journey? Obviously, you know you want to finish the A license, get the advanced youth award wrapped up. But in terms of the next stage of your, for, your, for yourself? I think is obviously keep learning. That's a very important thing for me. Keep learning. Um, keep networking. I think, uh, as, as, as I mentioned before, I'm a people person. I like people, so I like to... Uh, network with people. I like to chat with people. Um, I like I like make friend really. Uh, that's uh, very important for me. And one thing is keep, you know, the, the things I learned. I would like to consolidate them, so I could move to something up, which is maybe start thinking about coaching older age group. Um, maybe start working in a first team environment. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to do the, the, the pro license yet. Um, uh, not yet, not yet, but it's, it's, um, it's maybe another five years. Okay. Well, at least you, at least you, at least you set a time on it now. So in five years time, I expect to see you there. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. If I, if I have the platform to allow me to keep learning, keep developing and also consolidate well and that I could be more, confident in what I know more have a uh, call it an outline clear philosophy mm-hmm. because it's still still building your playing philosophy as a per as a person but I still need some layers to add to it and it will take time definitely you know kind of just on that then you know if I gave you 60 seconds now to kind of wrap up some golden nuggets for the listeners and viewers what would that be? Never give up. Don't believe in yourself. Keep learning. And what's the most important? Stick to your value and believe as a human being. Do not change it to satisfy people. Mm. And that's, that's very important for me as, as an Ather. Brilliant. I want to kind of take you back to something that, you know, a word that you used earlier and it's one that I, I, I believe in a lot um, and it's this idea of a legacy you know obviously just by having this conversation with me now you've made yourself part of the coaches network um, so what's the legacy that you'd want to leave behind and the message that you want to live, leave with people I want to be remembered as a good person who worked hard worked honestly and achieved something special and the most important, my family be proud of my, be proud of me. Excellent. And nothing, you know, obviously it's been a fascinating conversation for me uh, t- this evening with you. And, uh, you know, it's touched on some interesting points and some big talking points specifically around the inclusion piece. Um, and I'm sure we could probably go on for hours regarding all this. I'm sure. <laughs> um, on that note, you know, if the listeners did have any questions or wanted to know a little bit more about your journey or some of the things that we've discussed or even beyond, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? 
Yeah, they could get in touch with me through Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook or, you know, I'm happy to share my email address. Sure. Uh, and what, what are your handles on Twitter and Instagram then? Um, you mean like my Twitter account is nathan underscore K-H-A-T-I-B. Is it on both? Uh, yeah, just just type my name and you should you should find me online. Google, Google will do the job. <laughs> Uncle Google, yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, Nefa, thank you again for your time this evening. Very much appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I hope that this conversation will, uh, will land well to people and uh, they could uh, benefit from it. Thank you. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.